Welcome to the FinOps Fridays podcast, where we discuss all things FinOps. It's an educational resource to help you learn and build your capability in all things FinOps. We're also here to have fun, so we'll make it entertaining, have a few laughs, and share a few stories. Welcome to the next episode of FinOps Fridays. Today, we're going to be talking about SaaS. Is it going to be the next financial challenge? Is it going to be a mini version of the whole FinOps and cloud situation? Today, I am joined here by Udem. Udem, give us a quick introduction, who you are, what's your background? Hey, thank you, Nathan, and thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so for me, I've been probably around the cloud uh, revolution probably for the last uh, dozen or so years. Uh, first in AWS, where I got to work on launching a couple of uh, pretty successful services, uh, Redshift and Aurora. And then uh, then I switched over to Aptio, where I worked on uh, cloud cost management uh, and, and optimization products, as well as uh, led some teams building the, uh, the cloud migration planning product. Uh, now, <coughs> I'm at City, uh, where uh, where I'm the head of cloud financial management, uh, and and that's that's mostly an engineering job where we're building uh, tooling and capabilities for our platform, uh, so that people can do uh, sound financial uh, finops uh, practices, uh, but then also it's it's driving the the, the culture shift uh, within the organization and and uh, establishing best practices, those kinds of things. So yeah, that's that's me. Awesome. Uh, in terms of the your role there as the head of C, uh, CFM, you mentioned uh, CFM Cloud Financial Management, aka FinOps, for those that may have joined us a bit late. Um, you mentioned a few things. You know, it's primarily an engineering role, but hey, also there's culture. What have been the main areas, like like the broad sort of areas of focus that you have been looking at doing, and have they changed at all over time since you've been there? Yeah, I mean, so so just to kind of explain what we're doing first, uh, what we're building is a, is a cloud platform uh, that's spanning multiple cloud vendors and SaaS vendors, uh, and to try to do this at city scale, right? So, and to kind of appreciate that there's uh, multiple tens of thousands of developers at city, uh, which you wouldn't guess it being a you know a financial services company. <laughs> there's th- uh, several thousands uh, of applications. Uh, you know, across 95 countries and lines of businesses and legal entities. So it's a very uh, kind of complex organizational structure. Um, and we're trying to bring, you know, kind of this FinOps uh, idea to city uh, into that into that structure. And, you know, so really uh, we're starting with the, the basics, uh, you know, that I think most of us know about, like starting with the transparency uh, how do we provide this? But not just for the cloud. Again, it's also for the SaaS uh, spend as well. Uh, and then, you know, from there, do you know integration into the the, the billing systems, uh, drive uh, you know more towards optimization and uh, and and cost controls and budgeting, forecasting, those sorts of things. Um, I, I would say the thing that I've noticed now that I'm on the consumer side as opposed to the the, the cloud vendor or, or, or cost management vendor side is, uh, you know, the problem is wider and larger than, than you know, <laughs> what we imagined when we were building, uh, you know, the cost management tools where really we focused on the, uh, the cloud service providers. Um, I think over time, you know, this, this is 
uh, gotten a much broader problem where, as you said, these SaaS vendors are just like mini cloud, uh, cloud vendors, right? So, uh, you know, focusing on kind of solving that, that problem more holistically uh, at City uh, right now. Yep, awesome. And in terms of, you know, building capabilities, that's one thing, FinOps, we, we've really got to make sure that our users, be they financial, be they business management, be they technical, have to build their capability in FinOps. Um, what are some of the key areas, you know, it's part of being on cloud, you're always learning, you're always getting better at doing cloud. Are there any specific areas that you've been focusing on building the user's capability around to really help in this FinOps journey? You know, something like, you know, focusing on things like serverless or focusing on transparency and dashboards. What has been in terms of getting them better at doing their job efficiently? What have been the main areas? Um, I'd say sort of uh, adjusting our, our um, uh, delivery. As you know, the, the cloud billing data and, and is very granular. It's very, you know, it can be overwhelming. Uh, so for us, it's been about how do we take that and sort of uh, build these these capabilities in our platform in a, in a way that, uh, you know, folks can easily understand it and consume it and get value out of it, right? Because uh, we're we're traditionally a data center, uh, you know, based company. So this is going to be all new to our our consumers. We don't want to start out with like the maximum amount of uh, complexity. Um, so so we're trying to sort of uh, figure out what's the right medium, right? What's the right level of data to provide so that we can get the maximum benefit. We can get people excited about seeing their you know their usage in near real time, uh, and then you know drive them towards that accountability uh, for their for their spend that that you know everybody you know wishes to get in, in FinOps. so that those are our focus areas awesome excellent uh, now let's talk about SaaS. it was really good when we sort of reached out uh, and said hey let's get you on the show what do you want to talk about and you mentioned SaaS. Uh, I've mentioned in a previous episode, I've used SaaS almost as you know a little cloud problem. We're looking at the problems of SaaS, vendor consumption, not understanding licenses. Is anyone actually looking at this? And it really does look like you know it's just a mini version of cloud. You've got all this usage happening miraculously in the organization. It's getting paid for, but no one's really managing it. Um, in terms of your view of SaaS as, as a consumer, what are you seeing? You know, to you, what is SaaS? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd say SaaS is a really broad category, right? And in its broadest definition, it's, it's software and services that are offered via the internet uh, for either businesses or, or end users. So, you know, that that right there could range from the Gmails to Office 365 to Zoom and Slack and Salesforce to uh, maybe a slightly different category, which is the the Redis and Snowflake and MongoDB Atlas and, and Confluence of the world, right? So from a FinOps perspective, if you look at that, that first group that I said, the, the O365s and, and, and Zooms and, uh, of the world, those are fairly static consumption uh, models, right? And, and therefore you have subscription-based pricing. Uh, you know, it's not that you don't need FinOps in, in that space. You, you need some FinOps for uh, you know, making sure you do allocations and, and get visibility for that spend. Uh, but but it's a lot of it is done up front at procurement time, right? You get commitments from your various organizations. You're able to then go, uh, you know, go procure the contract, make the payments and whatnot. The second category of uh, SaaS vendors that we discussed 
they tend to have more more dynamic uh, consumption models and therefore dynamic pricing models and billing. Uh, you know, and, and this is going to sound familiar, as you said, because that's the same problem we have with the cloud service uh, providers, right? So uh, I view them as, a, as an extension of, of the cloud service uh, uh, providers, and, and you really need uh, strong FinOps, you know, practices in order to go uh, manage that spend because it's, it's dynamic and it's, it's uh, pay-as-you-go in, in most cases, and, 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 you know, you need to do uh, accurate allocations in order to, uh, to drive that accountability for that spend. Awesome. And I like what you said there, you know, you always need FinOps. Um, and I think that's something that I always love to drill into my customers. No matter what it is, you have to be doing FinOps. It is never optional no matter what. It's just going to be, and I mean, you summed it up really nicely there. If it's a static consumption model, well, it's going to be a pretty efficient cut down version of, of FinOps. You're not going to have mm -hmm. to do the whole mm -hmm. hog. It's going to be nice. Make sure that you're applying the right amount of FinOps, but you've, you still need to do it. Um, right. Is it safe to sort of assume that for you, like SaaS is everything you're consuming except the cloud providers? Like you always treat the cloud service providers as themselves and then SaaS is everything else. Like what about the some of the things that are SaaS from the cloud service to providers? Do you treat them as SaaS or are they part of cloud service providers? I mean, ideally, I would, I would think that all consumption-based, uh, you know, build services that, that you purchase, you sort of, uh, normalize and treat as one thing, regardless of the vendor, right? In in many ways, that's what the uh, the cost management tools are doing, uh, or the vendors are doing. They're saying, okay, it doesn't matter if it's AWS or GCP or Azure. I'm going to normalize it so that you can look at it as what's my compute spend, what's my storage, what's my uh, team X's cost, team Y's cost. You know, uh, so. I would I would sort of look at it that way um, as opposed to kind of separating them out. But I I would separate. I think there's a clear delineation between those O365s and and others versus kind of the more uh, more dynamic uh, consumption model services that uh, or SaaS vendors that uh, you know especially when when it comes to like you know total cost of ownership of, of your applications and whatnot like. You may not view some of those other things in the same vein as, as, and because they're not really components that you know you use to build your software, whereas the snowflakes and and confluence and whatnot are, uh, are those things that 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 go feed into your application total cost. Yep, yep, gotcha. Um, and in terms of trends, what are you sort of like just stepping back? What are you seeing, you know, industry wide and within your business? things like changing of consumption, things like number of vendors. What are you actually seeing there? Yeah, I mean, uh, what I'm seeing is, is huge adoption, right? Over the past three, four, five years, uh, there's huge amount of uh, 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 adoption. There, there's an explosion of vendors out there, uh, you know, and, and what they're really doing is they're building these specialized products, uh, let's say platform as a service, databases as a service, or generally speaking, software as a service, uh, and their approach is to be really laser focused on solving a small set of problems uh, and doing that really well, uh, and, you know, and, and both not just from a product perspective, but also an experience perspective uh, for, for the developers and, and consumers, uh, and then and to, to rapidly innovate in this, right? Uh, and, and what corporations are doing, so that's what the vendors are doing, the corporations, uh, they're starting to take a more a la carte option uh, or approach uh, to this, where previously 
they, you know, the decision was, hey, if we're tied to a cloud service provider, let's go use the data warehousing product, Redshift or BigQuery or, or whatever it may be. Whereas now they're saying, hey, you know, engineering teams have a lot more freedom to go say, no, you know what, Vendor X is, is our one, you know, preferred choice. Uh, and you can sort of do this today uh, because uh, it's a lot easier to integrate these vendors with the cloud service providers uh, in a secure manner, uh, whether it be the, the VPN connectivity and VPC endpoints and all these kinds of things. It's much more acceptable today to go uh, integrate these these vendors in. So uh, I think what that's driven is is a huge amount of uh, uh, growth. You know, and, and you can sort of see this, right? Like if you look at general like year-over-year -year growth for cloud service providers uh, and then the SaaS vendors and specifically in SaaS vendors also if you look at uh, these vendors that have kind of the on-premise or, or, or license-based uh, you know offering versus the cloud offering many times you know the cloud offering is growing at like 5 10x of what the the general growth is you know of, of the same product even so um, you know, I, I think there's explosive growth in 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 in, in adoption uh, with these SaaS vendors. Uh, you know, that's the first thing I would say is that I'm seeing. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I, I guess microservices are awesome, and we've been talking about those for many years. We're going down a similar path with actual SaaS and products that you're buying each one individually. Um, I'm guessing that would also lead to just a large amount of different vendors. Um, I don't want to talk about the actual integration of all these things because that's not terribly FinOpsy, but you now have to work with potentially many different formats of, of billing and consumption and usage. And that now becomes the challenge. Hey, I need, you know, integrations with 20, 30, 50 different providers now to be able to get that information and start to work with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and, and you know, as the, the space gets crowded with lots of vendors, they're also trying to differentiate uh, themselves, uh, of course, you know, primarily in the feature sets uh, of the, the the core products that they're offering, but also uh, in the pricing and billing and and discount models, you know, that that they offer uh, commitment-based discounts, you know, lots of things that you see in you know that that you're familiar with in, in the cloud uh, service space. So, um, you know, I I think all of this obviously adds you know a ton of com complexity, right? Like you could see where this is headed. The the diversity in vendors and the pricing and billing concepts, uh, it's gonna you know uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but it, it is gonna be a, a a fairly big challenge for for consumers. Yeah, and I hope we haven't scared off every single one of our audience. Like, there's just more problems coming thick and fast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, it's just cloud, you know, version two type of thing. It's interesting to see everything transition down the path. Uh, before we get into the magic solutions that Udem is going to provide to everything and why we don't have to worry, uh, we'll take a quick break for our speed round questions. Uh, this is where we get to uh, learn about our guest a little bit more, ask them a few uh, questions about their personal life. Udam, are you ready for the lightning round questions? I'm ready. Alrighty, let's get into it. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Definitely no. Uh, cat person or a dog person? Dogs. Red or white wine? Uh, red wine. Beer or spirits? Spirits. Ask permission or beg for forgiveness? 
depends. Uh, my, you know, if it's something where I'd get fired, whether in life or at work, uh, you know, I'm going to probably ask for permission. <laughs> uh, but but otherwise, I'll, I'll use my moral compass to you know <laughs> to make a judgment and ask and beg for forgiveness if needed. Uh, favorite movie director producer genre. Uh, Forty year old virgin. Yeah, I love that movie. Tea or coffee? Tequila. Uh, tea or coffee? Tequila. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't do either one. Um, ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, favorite TV series genre? I like uh, Frontline. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. It's it's a it's a show here in, in, on public uh, broadcast TV. Uh, you know, a lot of investigative uh, journalism type stuff. They go into a lot of uh, topics for, for a few hours, and, and it's it's always very informative. So I like that a lot. Yeah, we actually had a similar, well, it was, had the same name, but it was a satire of the whole, that particular field. Um, okay. Favorite song or musician? Um, I honestly listen to a wide variety of stuff nowadays, just, you know, whatever's on Spotify, but. Uh, I'd say when I in my younger days, uh, probably a lot of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and those things. Excellent. Uh, your favorite food? Uh, anything my mom cooks when she's around. Um, she's she's an excellent cook, so I enjoy that a lot. Uh, what type of food chance. does she cook? Uh, I mean, she's she's a she, she cooks a lot of different types, but specialty would be Sri Lankan food. That's where I'm from. Uh, but she's a baker. Uh, by trade, so lots of baking things and, and uh, you know, different Italian food or, or whatever, different uh, things. So she's just, uh, yeah, jack of all trades. <laughs> awesome. Uh, when you want to go on a holiday, do you prefer to do activities or relax and do nothing? Uh, maybe a relax or half day, after that, I, I, gotta, I gotta be doing something. <laughs> uh, buildings and architecture or nature? Nature. Your preferred superpower, supernatural ability? Uh, I'd say superpower probably, uh, you know, maybe relevant for this, this day and age. Get, get people to see different perspectives uh, and not sort of be so tribal and, and sort of be stuck in their, uh, in their own uh, ways. Your favorite vacation location? Oh, so many. Wherever I go, I, f I find the uh, things that I like. But but I'd say Italy is one. Um, uh, wildlife and Africa, you know, that that's just some of my favorite uh, memories. And then locally, I'd say Utah is one of my favorites. The the national parks down there are just unbelievable. Yeah, actually, yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures from those. Yeah. Uh, text or talk? Uh, text. Yeah, I rarely talk on the phone now. Childhood nickname? Ernie from uh, Sesame Street. Uh, ever since I was a kid, that's what everyone calls me to this date. My parents, my wife, everybody calls me uh, <laughs> Ernie. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Your proudest moment? Proudest moment would be uh, probably the day my son was born. Uh, you know, that was, that was, that was a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty proud day for me. Beautiful. All right, uh, started off a little wobbly with the pineapple, but you went well. You get a score of 93 today. 93, all right. <laughs>
All righty, let's jump back into the SaaS. Um, we spoke before, you know, it is going to be like a little mini cloud in terms of the challenges. Uh, we look, you know, at where cloud was five, eight, ten years ago. We're starting to see the sort of similar patterns emerge, the similar challenges. We've got lots of data, different types. We need to start to deal with it. We're now realizing the problem. Um, we can't go back in time to redo cloud, but hey, we can sort of jump in front of this whole SaaS problem and nip it in the bud before it becomes a cloud-sized problem for us. What are some of the main challenges that you're seeing with SaaS that are sort of starting to pop up and started to, to deliver a bit of friction in your organization? Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I mean, I sort of touched on this earlier, um, but, but, but the complexity that comes with uh, the the diversity in the in the in the space uh, in terms of vendors, uh, and then also the pricing and billing concepts is I would say the uh, the first challenge that I'd call out, uh, and it comes at a time when corporations are barely starting to get their arms around you know the cloud spend for for the major vendors. People are starting to you know ask questions and understand okay what is a reserved instance and and how do I uh, you know, account for costs for networking and, and all these kind of different things. Uh, now you add to that, you know, kind of this this challenge of, uh, you know, tens of vendors that you might integrate in your uh, in your infrastructure and, and, and services environments. Uh, and, and, and as we said, the, the problem is, is very much the same. It's a centrally purchased, dynamic, uh, you know, consumption model service. Um, so, so you know, you, you sort of uh, have a lot of the, the, those uh, same problems to go solve that, that you would with the, the, the cloud service providers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd say that that's the first one. Uh, you know, I'd say secondary thing is is the fact that these these vendors are um, they have relatively unsophisticated capabilities when it comes to cost management today, right? Um, Many of them are barely implementing things like, uh, you know, tagging and tag-based billing and, and, and things like that. Um, uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, they've been focused on trying to become relevant, going against uh, the established services and the cloud service providers themselves or the SaaS, uh, sorry, the, uh, the on-prem offerings that, that, you know, other vendors might have had. So, uh, you know, the focus has not really been on the, uh, the cost management space and, and, you know, this is eerily similar, as you said. And, you know, I think, I think it was in 2011 when I was in AWS. So the number, well, I, I don't know if it was the number one ask, but one of the major asks uh, from the customer base at that time was uh, give us better cost management tooling, right? And that spurred the innovation of uh, tags, tagging capability in AWS, which then led to tag-based billing in AWS, uh, and then also spawned this whole category of software called like. Uh, cloud uh, cost management and optimization tools, right? So uh, I feel like, as you said, we're we're sort of at that same spot with with the SaaS, where, yeah, you know, we're uh, probably places like uh, City, where you know we're we're large, complex, a lot of money going into these things, so we're gonna maybe feel these pain uh, this pain first, but uh, but it, it, I I I suspect that it's it's gonna. Uh, be coming for for most general use cases, uh, you know, fairly soon. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say is that, um, look, you know, in, in this space, there's always this uh, uh, differentiation between direct sp uh, spend and 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 shared costs, right? 
direct costs are, are fairly uh, easy to kind of spot, um, but, but then allocating the shared component uh, is, is a fairly challenging thing. And with SaaS, now you got to uh, essentially account for the fact that you might have built VPN connectivity or, or, or resiliency and, and governance and, and security into these things. Uh, somehow those costs also need to get allocated back uh, just like you know, uh, kind of the, the 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 challenge you have with with cloud costs. So, uh, you know, getting that uh, bigger picture uh, view of total cost of ownership that includes the the, the SaaS uh, uh, costs, including direct and shared, is is another challenge that that you know we're seeing. Yeah, and I like what you're sort of uh, talking about first. You know, the complexity in terms of the volume of data, it's probably not gonna be the same size as cloud, but the difference between 10 and 100 lines, well, I can throw some compute horsepower and that's not a problem, but it's mm -hmm. the diversity in vendors, which, okay, yeah, we've got many different vendors, but one thing I sort of didn't realize you are saying there is the pricing terms, that they've got different types that you need to completely look at every single vendor in a different way. Yeah, we, we've learned about RIs from AWS, commitment discounts, savings plans, but every vendor can have their own slightly different version. Um, and I think that's also the challenge, the, when vendors don't wanna use the same terminology, so they're not looked, at, looked upon as following another vendor, like uh, maybe we'll just give that to JR at FinOps <laughs> to just come up with a standard naming for everything in terms of FinOps that we can integrate with, adhere to one naming standard, and it'll yeah. just make everyone's lives easier. Uh, that probably is not a bad task for the FinOps to attack, is to get some sort of standardization. Um, in terms I've been of, in uh, in JR's ear about this a little bit as well. <laughs> well, it, it's in, how, how do you get all these little startups and different vendors to say, actually, you need to follow what we've defined over here, please? No, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. going to be hard hard to get it's them. It's a tough challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of direct and shared costs, um, how big of a problem is that? I mean, is SaaS a, a significant component of your overall spend that that's becoming? You know something that that is causing a fair bit of frustration. I, I think that it's the trend that that worries me. That, that or not worries me, but but it's the trend that I'm I'm concerned about. Right, uh, right now I would say it's not uh, uh, a huge component of our spend, but the direction is that you know we're going to go, uh, you know, this a la carte model where where people are going to be able to, the the users of our platform are going to be able to say, yep, I want you know. Uh, this cloud service uh, provider and and these uh, SaaS vendors and then integrate those in and and give me my uh, essentially playground that I can go deploy my my services uh, uh, in right so uh, you know while the numbers I think are are uh, maybe not as as big as the the cloud service vendors today it, it is definitely a growing thing and and for us you know anytime. Uh, more than a few teams start using it at, at the city scale, like that, that's going to be a significant number attached to that. So, uh, you know, th that becomes a, a thing that we got to treat fairly uh, seriously. Yeah, and I like what you're saying there in terms of being able to, to sort of get those together and have that view of the total cost. You know, I've always told customers, you know, if an application dictates you need a specific expensive licensed operating system that shouldn't be maybe looked at as a cloud cost. Should you be considering that as an application cost because it's the application that dictates that? Mm, really thinking, forget about where the cost comes in on whose bill. Think about where the requirement has come from. If you can get another version that doesn't require that licensed operating system, well, 
that sort of really proves the point. Um, mm. so it's always mm. good to really, let's have a think about where the costs are actually being dictated. Mm-hmm. Um, so on to some of the answers, all the magical answers that you're going to solve for everyone. Transparency. How are you starting to tackle the problem of transparency in SaaS? And what are some of the unique approaches that are maybe giving you some some runs and some wins on the board? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, as I said, right, like for, for our platform, it, it's really important that that we sort of provide this like overall holistic view of, of, uh, of the usage and, and cost. So, so we're, we're spending a, a bit of time here, uh, you know, on, on the taxonomy and normalization of this, the, the cost data and the different billing concepts uh, so that we can sort of not necessarily pass down all of the complexity to our users, uh, but get them to kind of understand uh, the the necessity the the necessary uh, pieces of that. So uh, you know a lot of that I, I think comes with the fact that you know uh, you know because we're an integrated platform that you know that our our consumers are almost like uh, treat us like almost like a managed service provider, right? So uh, because you know we're we're this separate organization which within City that is vending technology. Uh, to to the rest of the firm, uh, so so uh, you know I, I think uh, you know th- there's a couple of different ways that people can go about providing this transparency, and and we've sort of seen both of them at City uh, in the past, where you can have this central team kind of take ownership of this problem and, and try to drive solutions for it. You can also have sort of these uh, disparate teams that become the center of uh, excellence. Uh, the COE for for a particular vendor because they sort of go out first and say I want to use vendor X, they become the center of excellence. They can then provide some uh, kind of platform capability for other people to uh, to use. I'm I'm biased, obviously. I think the central approach works better for for providing this transparency. You just can't. Uh, I, I I mean uh, personally, I can't imagine disparate teams being able to like unify these different concepts, uh, you know, and, and so that the end consumer is able to see one, you know, kind of uh, nice picture of, of their usage and their costs, uh, you know, but, but you know, obviously as a large organization, we can sort of have this centralized approach to, uh, uh, to, to doing this, um, you know, and uh, <laughs> you sort of mentioned this already, but, but, but like the, I think the taxonomy uh, extending out to SaaS is is a really an important thing. We're obviously creating our own version because of the need, uh, but but if there was something out there, uh, you know, we would we would love to use it, right? Because it's it's uh, it's less kind of city specific than and more industry standard that way. Yep. Um, and in terms of um, you know the requirements to be able to give transparency. You know, if you can't put any business information on there, like cost centers or departments, you're not going to be able to get that out. Have you know the people that are making the decision, those central teams or even some of the teams that are on their own? Are they taking that into account? Are they taking the transparency requirement of you know reporting after purchase? Is that in the purchase decision? Are they aware of that yet, or is that still a gap that? We, we should be reaching out to the people that are making these decisions saying, hey, this is FinOps stuff that we need to make sure is in the requirements. I think if you don't have a central team that's really versed uh, in FinOps and, and 
uh, and really incentivized to go solve some of these problems. What would of, often happen is these vendors would get treated as sort of that static, uh, you know, subscription-based model that that we discuss, where people sort of, uh, you know, decide maybe at a beginning like, okay, for the next year we're going to sign up for you know, up to this amount, and we're going to roughly divide it this way, right? Because, the, you know, these, these teams, their primary goal is not to provide, you know, cost management and FinOps capabilities. Their primary goal is to go build, you know, business value on top of these vendors, right? So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's maybe some of the downsides of going that distributed route, uh, whereas, you know, when we have the central team, we know, look, we have to get, uh, things normalized. We have to get things, uh, you know, essentially accounted for and, and accurately charged, especially in a place like city where you're dealing with different legal entities. You can't really indirectly fund another uh, legal entity. So it, it's imperative that like we get accurate uh, chargeback, uh, you know, for based on, you know, specific usage of, uh, of, of uh, certain, uh, you know, things. But so, yeah, I would say, you know, I'm a big advocate for, for the centralized model if, if your organization is large and complex uh, or, or, you know, not all of your spend uh, goes under one engineering team because there's multiple products and multiple, uh, you know, maybe organizations that have engineering teams, uh, then, then you, you sort of need this, uh, this kind of granular, uh, you know, more focused kind of approach for, for FinOps. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, one of the, think back to my heady days in Well Architected, one of the, the best practices was around making sure that, you're, you, you know, do you factor cost optimization into the selection of services? But I think with SaaS, it's almost a case of, you, you know, is, is this particular product going to be usable with FinOps? Does this product, you know, um, allow you to execute FinOps? If it doesn't have the granularity, if it doesn't have things like tagging, you're not going to be able to do FinOps. We, you simply can't say, go and do tagging if the product doesn't support it. So, you know, is, you know are there requirements that you have a FinOps going to be in those particular SaaS services? Uh, we know cloud, I think there was one vendor that was lagging, can, can do it by default. And we're all used to the cloud being able to do tagging and granularity and everything. But mm -hmm. hey, you know, we've got to make sure that our SaaS providers have the same features that we expect them to. So that's really interesting. Yeah, there, there's there's a bit, kind of a minimum level that that I feel like everybody needs to kind of provide, uh, and then bells and whistles on top of that, great. But but there's a minimum levels that uh, you know allow you to do cost allocation and drive that accountability that I think everybody needs to uh, provide. Yeah, and and again, JR, Mike, FinOps Foundation. What are the minimum requirements needed to be able to execute FinOps? Would be mm. a great little. Uh, cheat sheet that we can have when we're picking vendors or services, things like that. Um, yeah. So right now we're going to cut to a mailbag section. This is where we answer uh, questions from you, the viewers that you have about the previous episode. If you do have any questions or any feedback, you can send them to feedback at finopsfridays.com uh, or one word and we'll answer those. So across to the mailbag questions. Hi and welcome to the mailbag for the previous episode. This was the episode where Todd Tucker put the fin into FinOps. 
So the first question, how does TVM and FinOps complement each other to help companies move to the cloud? I think as Todd was saying, it helps you to understand, both have the same objective. They help you to understand the cost of delivering in terms that your business partners understand. This enables you to take action and actually get better at what your company and organization actually does. From a TBM perspective, um, it's looking at going from server and storage cost to the cost of an application to you. FinOps has that domain specificity, that real deep cloud knowledge and approach. It also has the scale and automation and policies in place. Just like what does cloud bring to IT that you know data centers did the comparison there, it's similar. It's trying to do the same thing, service your organization, giving that knowledge and understanding to be able to take action. It does it at a much larger scale. It also includes things like you're able to put policies in place, automate so you can do this much, much faster and iterate and get better as well. Uh, as Todd said, TBM is somewhat an analog version of FinOps. On to the next question, how can we drive more predictability from our cloud spend to please finance? Uh, more inputs, again, we think about cloud, it's lots of change, lots of things happening all the time. The more inputs you can get from your cloud into your financial models, into the financial team, they've got more to work with, they can make it more accurate, uh, more frequently. Again, things are always changing, that rapid pace of innovation and change. Make sure that those changes and innovations are going to the finance team so they can correct and adjust the models as appropriate. And also better communication between your engineers and finance. Make sure that when your engineers, your DevOps, when people are building things, they understand that there's a financial impact and are able to sort of put that information from their day job to that financial model. Every time they bring up something, send a quick message across saying, hey, we changed this, we're doing this, we just deployed that, adjust the models as part of the process. So having that very tight loop between the engineers, the DevOps, and the finance teams. And onto the final question, how do you incentivize folks to optimize their cloud spend? Uh, we covered this a little bit in Maddie's episode as well, so go back and have a look at that. Uh, looking at you know, the carrot and stick approach, the stick, uh, you put KPIs around people's jobs. It's part of their job description. It's an inherent part. Doing FinOps is part of your job. Once that happens, you've then got all the same processes that if anyone's failing at any other part of their job, FinOps is now part of that. You've got the usual organization, HR methods in place to make sure that they're improving and they're making sure that, that there is some ramifications if they're not doing their job appropriately. So just make sure FinOps is part of their job and that's very clear and well understood. From a carrot perspective, um, incentives that actually matter to the team. Like yes, you can give them some cold pizza and some warm Coke, but that's really not meaningless. These people can go and buy those things. So making sure that they've got more staff to do their jobs, what makes their job better and easier for them when they're doing a good job, they're the sort of things that we need to see coming through. Uh, you can make it more enjoyable, things like gamification. Uh, we may have a future episode coming up where we go a lot deeper into that, which will be a great episode. Um, and also respect, give them purpose. Make sure that if somebody comes to you and says, you know, we can get all these savings, I've spent months and months working on this, we can really get efficient, and then it just gets sidelined and sidetracked, 
that's going to completely demoralize and kill that person. Chances are they'll probably leave the company. So making sure that you're giving FinOps the focus and the value and it is cherished by the organization because of the immense value that it can deliver to the organization. So that's it for today's mailbag. Again, if you have any feedback or you'd like to ask a question, feel free to email us at feedback at finopsfridays.com. Back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, on to our last topic, accountability. Uh, so a challenge to get everything together. We've managed to finally piece it together. We've got some rudimentary level of transparency. Maybe we've got some great transparency. Uh, we've now got to start to make people accountable. How are you starting to solve the accountability challenge? Uh, you know, we sign up to particular licenses. Some of the licensing agreements may be pretty rigid. How do you get that accountability to change users' behaviors and make sure that we're being good with our costs? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's definitely a, a culture shift in, in most places uh, that, that needs to be driven. And part of it is, you know, look, coming to the realization that the nanny approach doesn't work. Right. And I think uh, FinOps, uh, you know, sort of makes this pretty clear that, uh, look, you know, a central team is not going to be a, a, a central team is useful in, in many cases, but he can't necessarily like, uh, you know, <laughs> swing a magic wand and, 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 and just all of a sudden make your whole organization efficient. It's got to come uh, from the, the, the teams, the consumers, the finance departments. Uh, working together and, and, and sort of uh, really um, caring about this and, and, and putting time and effort into this. So uh, I, I think, you know, a few things I've seen uh, working, right, like is, uh, you know, we, we sort of touched on it earlier, uh, even from the procurement time, sort of get an understanding of, hey, is this something that is a dynamic consumption model, like something where you got to uh, put more FinOps effort into versus kind of the static model, uh, you know, and, and then uh, sort of build a plan from the beginning. You know, it doesn't have to be a fully flushed out uh, fancy allocation model, but, you know, you, you're starting from something rather than just, you know, completely uh, turning a blind eye to it till, till it becomes a problem in your organization. Uh, you know, the breaking down the silos thing, obviously, like, you know, uh, folks talk about, but but again, now with SaaS and, and the vendors and the, the, the different concepts, this becomes even, you know, more of a problem. The only way to avoid these surprises is to, is to have frequent communication lines. Uh, you know, uh, I'm engineer at heart, you know, been doing engineering for a long time. I think uh, we got to take the kid gloves off where we're sort of treating engineering teams, uh, you know, like with care and saying, uh, you know, you know, somebody else is going to take care of this. No, sorry, we're in a... Uh, uh, infrastructure platform in, an, in a world where we are, you know, doing consumption-based billing now. Everything we do has a cost impact. So you have to understand your architectures and and, and the, the impacts of your uh, decisions, uh, releases, and whatnot. Uh, the same way we hold engineering teams accountable today uh, to be dev, more DevOps-focused and, and build resiliency and all those kinds of good things with our software, uh, you know, we got to hold our engineers accountable for the financial uh, side as well, right? And uh, and last thing I'd say is really reward the the, the excellence uh, that you know teams will uh, fiscal responsibility and excellence uh, that they have. Uh, you know, gamification is is another way that you know you you sort of 
you know, give people a view of how they're doing, but then you also let them uh, see how others are doing, whether it's in your organization or, or in uh, other companies in, in your uh, kind of area or, or, or whatnot. Uh, this naturally, I think, you know, uh, motivates people to to <laughs> to take it more seriously and and drive uh, you know kind of spend efficiencies. So uh, I wouldn't say a ton of things that are SaaS specific because really in my mind these are uh, cloud and SaaS you know have have all these similarities. So um, but, but yeah, those are those are some of the things I feel like I've seen that that have worked in the past. Yeah, and you mentioned you know, everything's got a cost impact. Um, hopefully too many people haven't dropped off when we started to talk about the complexities and challenges. But the other way I like to explain it is the costs have always been there. But all this detail, all these different pricing plans, all these different you know pricing line items and everything that comes in, these are new opportunities that you can use and leverage to optimize. Mm -hmm. Just because you've got them doesn't mean you must be capable in every single way to be able to optimize every single different thing that you have but just see them more as potential opportunities to get better and more efficient. Yes, it's com complex, but these are things you can learn to get better and use to your advantage. So don't yeah. freak out when, when you, you can't do everything with all the different particular quirkiness of, of each different pricing model. Um, and I like what you said before, you know, you need to start to build out your model. And I think that's where a lot of people make the mistake. You know, the model that you're, you've got now will not be the model you've got in five years. That doesn't mean you need to build the model out for five years. You need to start now. Build that capability over time. Don't freak out that you can't get the, the perfect answer done now. Start slow and start improving, improving. You may change directions. So it's always good to, to take that first step and just iterate as much as possible. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I like in terms of you're saying, you know, how do you also look towards process improvement? You know, you need to inject, and I think this is a common one, making sure that you've got FinOps in your business processes. For something like SaaS, when you go to procure a license, hey, let's do a quick check to see if a license mm -hmm. is unused, that we can reallocate. Very small, simple step, new process, instantly gives you some benefit. Uh, so little things like that are awesome to look out for. Yeah. So that's it for today's episode. Udam, it has been awesome. Thank you very, very much. Um, some final mark, uh, remarks for our, for our viewers. What would you sort of say is the takeaway message, message to our, our viewers, message to the vendors? What should we be keeping in the back of our minds when we're thinking and talking about SaaS? Yeah, so I mean, I'd say it's not all gloom and doom, right? Like the, there's a lot of exciting things happening and, and the more diversity here, uh, in vendors and, and offerings, that's that's all beneficial uh, for for the larger goal of uh, building great engineering solutions and 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 business solutions, right? But uh, but these are real problems. They're coming down the pipe. Uh, I'm sure, just like every other uh, set of problems in in whatever other space, uh, you know, when when there's a problem, there's going to be some some innovation that happens and and some solutions that come down the pipe, but. But because there really aren't uh, good solutions today for this, uh, you know, we've chosen to obviously go build out our own uh, solution. But but generally speaking, I would prefer to, uh, you know, have standardized approaches for this. Uh, so I look forward to having more collaboration, uh, you know, in on these topics. You know, I, I think it's it's a there's a few different areas and challenges here that the vendors themselves. Uh, you know, need to provide some mature solutions in the cost management space. 
maybe if we're lucky, some normalization of, of you know, terminology and concepts, maybe maybe some uh, convergence there. Uh, the, the consumers need tooling, right? Uh, even if each, uh, you know, uh, or some vendors provide good capabilities, we still can't depend on everybody going to each vendor's uh, specific solution to then get a good understanding of usage and, and cost. So, uh, you know, some, some way to kind of unify this and show the larger picture preferably at an application or use case level. Uh, I, think, I think that's a huge opportunity. Uh, and, and then really uh, for kind of open source frameworks and, and foundations like FinOps to really sort of start uh, looking at SaaS as this emerging uh, uh, kind of area and, and start preparing to kind of uh, treat it as a, uh, a kind of a, a similar problem to, to cloud, right? Um, so that that these vendors, uh, uh, you know, can 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 sort of, uh, um, or or we have we have a chance really to to do good financial management for for, for these vendors as well. So uh, yeah, thanks thanks for the opportunity. It's, it's been a pleasure uh, being here and and talking through these challenges and and we'll see what the future holds in this space. Excellent. And it's going to be interesting to see where we end up in like 10 years, 20 years time, how it all <laughs> sort of like settled out and do we get it together? Uh, I look at other industries and the lack of standardization, the fact that it's going the wrong way, maybe some cause for concern, but we'll see how we go. So that is it for another episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode or would like to learn more, please feel free to reach out to us at finopsfridays at aftio.com. Also like and subscribe to get updates for future episodes.